Hi and welcome to the Light Leaders podcast. Today I have an episode that's a little bit different. It is a conversation between me, Michael, who's the founder of um, Republic Rupia, a crypto channel for Indonesian people, Fabrice, who's very knowledgeable on crypto trends and different projects. He's the one I'm creating online courses with in our online school, Crypto Jedi. So you can find more info on CryptoJedi.pro for the courses Fabrice and I do. And Chance, who's working closely with Fabrice and is part of a group of experts in DeFi that do a newsletter called The Benevolent Whale. So it's a great conversation. We covered topics such as the trends in general. We talked about the Terra Luna project, the controversial Hex and Pulse Chain projects from Richard Hart. A really good discussion on crypto. And we did that as part of the Light Leaders Mastermind. So it's a mastermind where we have expert panels like this every two weeks at the moment. And people from the mastermind kind join and ask questions to the experts or even debate them. And then I publish the recordings. So enjoy this conversation. Uh, well, let's just say hi to, uh, I think that's Michael. Uh, that's cool. He might have really cool questions, actually. Mm -hmm. um, Michael's the founder of Republic Rupia, which is a, a big um, YouTube channel in Basa, Indonesia. Hey, Michael. Hey, everyone. Morning, Michael. What's up? Morning, all. Hello. So we're... We're about to get started, actually. So welcome, Michael. And I was saying the intention is personally, I have quite a few questions. Um, Chance is specializing in some layer ones like Nier and Luna. Fabrice also is, is, uh, is quite into looking at the general trends of the crypto market. And he's a big fan of Hex and Pulse Chain. And um, well, that that's already quite a few topics that I thought of covering. But for me, the intention of this panel of experts is that the people who tune in live also can ask their question and maybe even debate if they have different opinion, especially on some if some topics are a bit controversial. So the, the way we do it is that we have selected experts. So today, Chance and Fabrice, but actually the people who are part of the Light Leaders Mastermind have their uh, expertise in new paradigm and cryptos and for sure michael you do so the idea is that you don't hesitate to ask your questions but also to participate in a way that you know you might have different point of view and perspectives and we want to hear them too cool yeah awesome so let's get started with um more general trends on cryptos like um 2022 has been like a bit sideways not not really up not really down very uncertain world uh, maybe i'll start with you fabrice how, how do you feel about uh, <laughs> a bit of a white question to start but how do you feel about the situation of the world and the place of crypto in it in uh, one paragraph in in one word <laughs> I'm positive. I'm very positive, Alex. Um, okay, so to to answer that question, I think um, 
there is a global conscious evolution on the planet and everything is going to accelerate and, and be amplified. So uh, the, the darkness, quote unquote, some darker agendas uh, are going to unfold in my mind uh, more and more aggressively and, and everything is going to get more obvious. And at the same time, a lot of people are coming online. A lot of people are um, having those conversations and uh, you know, bringing some light, bringing some clarity into what we want in the world instead of just criticizing uh, uh, something that doesn't work any longer. Uh, in terms of crypto specifically, um, it's in the big picture, it's always going to go up for me until the whole crypto prove itself to not be, uh, you know, a successful industry. But for me, it can only go up. Uh, as far as the month by month kind of looking at the charts and the sentiment, the overall sentiment of the market. Yes, we've been going sideways for three, three months. Um, I personally feel we should see a, still the retracement hasn't been happening. We should see the Bitcoin at around $20,000 before bouncing all the way back up again to 80,000, 100,000. And for the timing of that, I, I don't know. Nobody knows. I don't think we don't have a, a crystal ball. So I'm pretty conservative. Yeah, I hope that, that, that answers your question, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chance, do you want to add anything? Yeah. So I think as far as uh, news events and like world global global news events, I think they can have an impact on, on crypto in the short term. But overall, the, these news these news outlets and the these uh, world events actually uh, bring more attention to crypto or like the if there's bad news in inflation or if there's bad news and there's wars and then there's bad news of like, you know, Canada trying to control your money and things like that. There's almost like a, a short term downtrend. But overall, like it's more people being aware of like needing to control their money and, and being uh, sovereign in that way. So I'm overall uh, bullish. Uh, I'm actually a good balance with Fab. Uh, I, I'm more in the middle. You know, I think we're probably going to stay in this channel in Bitcoin for a little bit. Uh, but I'm overall like a bit more bullish uh, in my own mind. But I'm also ready um, to potentially see, you know, in the 20s, 20,000s. Um, but yeah, I just see so much in innovation. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready for, I'm ready for it basically. Yeah. Actually, actually talking about this, there is, um, there is the crypto world, more generally decentralized open source that's uh, often, I mean, that's been built in reaction to the financial system. And then there is a trend of uh, future CBDCs also. And also, the, I don't know if you've looked into quantum financial system. And people say there's like that new standard for the banks and they're going to use maybe Ripple and Stellar and Algorand and these, and these projects. Is it something you've looked into and you think is, is an important milestone for, for like adoption of cryptos by the banking system? Do you want to go Chance or Michael or I'm happy to touch on that. Go ahead, Fabio. Okay, cool. Um, so the whole Ripple conversation has been going on for at least you know five years in my in my world, and um, 
the fact that the established power is going to want its own uh, financial system. For sure, uh, these guys have been in power for hundreds or thousands of years. They're not dumb. They understand what's coming. They understand they cannot fully control the technology. But what they can do is create their own rules with using their own tools and their own systems. And so there is a possibility, effectively, that the banking system will use their own my, my macro uh, bubble, so to speak, and that the average person will have to interface with that if they want to participate in the in the matrix in the in the in the regular world. Now, at the same time, the technology of cryptocurrency was brought to humans as a breakthrough. Uh, tool to 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 give us more choices, to give us more sovereignty for those of us who want more of that. And so, I really, really doubt that the world could just take one direction with like a handful of three or four cryptocurrencies overruling everything else. I really believe that in different countries, um, different cultures, different beliefs, people will use different cryptocurrencies that fit, you know, their perception specific needs. Um, it's always going to, to be a lot of people around Bitcoin because of what it represents, because of the decentralization aspect of it. Um, and I do this, but you know, Bitcoin has been out there for a long time. So yeah, I don't think it's that black and white, like everything in the world, everything is always balanced. We always see that polarity. Uh, so the banking system has only two choices right now. It's rather they create their own crypto game or rather they completely collapse and crumble and then rebuild something completely new that I cannot even conceive because it's not here yet. Um, so we have a very small position um, in XRP with chance. On a, on a, on a personal, personal opinion, I don't stand for um, the existing current banking system. I, was excited about crypto because of the change that it's supposed to bring to humanity. And so with my actions, I want to align with that. Uh, I don't want to support a project that is 70% owned by the banking cartel. That absolutely does not have people's interest at heart. They run a, a major business and, and that's all they're interested in. And this also has its time and place. I don't reject this system as it is. I, I interact with the system on the daily. Uh, but the reason why I'm in crypto is to have more choices. Uh, and that includes freedom of movement, freedom of speech, um, freedom of using my money in my own terms. So I don't want to be stuck in a totalitarian <clears throat> you know, approach. That's good for me. I think he, he, he uh, spoke for me there as well. So yeah, yeah. cool. <laughs> um, Michael, as you're here, do you have any topics you're interested in addressing? On that particular one or just general? Just the general crypto market? Um, so I was around in the crypto market in 2017 and I saw the last run up to the last bull market. And then I was around for 2018 and 2019 for crypto winter, as they call it. And there's some 
really fundamental differences this time. And that last time it was all off of theory and possibility. So there was no real working projects. It was all, um, there was a few different like, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then there was a few different alternative L1 chains that had launched, but mostly everything was all just website, white paper and theory and possibility about what was going to be built. So everybody was just speculating on the last bull market. And then there was nothing that happened after the crash because there was no usable products and everyone just sort of forgot about crypto. But then in 2020 or late 19, when, um, when really like DeFi decentralized finance started to take off, that's really what turned the wheel again because products started to be built and there was actually usable things that people could do with cryptocurrencies. And that's when I first started getting like really excited because you could see that I could now stop using the bank and I could start using decentralized finance apps. And so that's when I think things change because then there was now workable products. And when I look at the crypto landscape now, things are vastly different from what happened in 2018. And so everyone is waiting for this big crash and then we're gonna go quiet again for this big crypto winter. But I'm of the opinion that I don't think that that's gonna happen because now we've got all of these operational products and everyone will just have to stop using them. Like just give up and stop using them for this to be a really, really like elongated bear market. And so I think there's some real fundamental differences between now and what happened in 2018. And when you look at all of the things that are still yet to happen this year with some of the major projects, there's so many things that are about to happen. And I highly doubt that everyone's just going to let them happen and not care about them. And I'm talking about Ethereum merge. I'm talking about, you know, Cardano actually having an ecosystem, um, Polkadot building out their ecosystem. And now they've only just really started. And there's all these other, other OL1s that are about to really, really launch thriving products and ecosystems that for us to go into another 2018, 2019 sort of crypto winter, everyone will just have to not care about the thing that they've been waiting for for years and just not use them. So I'm a little bit more, even more bullish, I guess, than some others here. Because I don't think that I don't think the big crypto winter is coming. Yeah, I, I totally hear you, brother. Um, maybe um, I feel chance you you want to share your your feedback on that. No, I actually like really resonate with with what you said. Like I'm also like a very uh, big DeFi guy. Like I use it every day, and I, I don't see how people could could leave. Uh, when this is happening, it's very exciting for like people like me. And I know there's a lot of people like me out there, uh, like use it on a daily, like an hour or two a day. Like I love it. Um, I see so many opportunities and, you know, my, my projects are building more and more. <clears throat> so I just really, uh, I have a hard time seeing what uh, a huge retracement would, would look like right now because of mass adoption or like user adoption. But at the same time, I also want to like make sure my bets are hedged towards the potential of that happening historically. And that's the only bearish part of me is just, I don't want to get completely wrecked because of my over enthusiasm. Yeah. Cause you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate that chance uh, because that's, that's, that's been the conversation with chance is like, um, regardless of our personal beliefs, um, we, we, we thinking along the, the same lines as you, Michael, pretty much it's like, we can really see, how many devs are working on so many blockchains now and we can see the on uh, on-chain data 
showing that there are more addresses, you know, more, more flow in that particular industry that is crypto. But sometimes what I feel like is we get, I think it's called something confirmation when you are in a small ecosystem and everybody is just, you know, mirroring that positive. Confirmation you know bias. Talking? Yeah, confirmation, confirmation bias. bias, brother. So I think for most of us crypto dudes, it's uh, the confirmation bias is quite often affecting uh, mm. the, the bigger picture in a way because we're constantly reaffirming what we're all saying and echoing. And so we need to remember that not even 5% of, of, the, of the planet is actually on board using crypto daily, not even 5%. I think at the moment there is still so much speculation. Um, we haven't seen yet big, big money coming in. So I would agree with you that in 2017, the whole crypto bubble was highly speculative and it was very little tech behind it. And now we start to have products, working apps, you know, three, three clicks on your phone. Like this makes it very easy to use for the average person out there, right? But we, we, we come from an angle that historically every four years there is a big cycle. And it seems that the retracement was progressively uh, getting smaller and smaller. So the first cycle was 95% retracement. And then the other two cycles were about 85% retracement. So this time I was, I was thinking it would not go as deep as 85%, but I think 65, 70% is, is totally possible um, simply because we don't have yet the daily users that, you know, I'd like to see 500 million daily users in one ecosystem, you know, and I don't see that nowhere. Um, so until, until the, the pattern itself changes, I would just bet that this is what's most likely to happen. And I must say I'm heavily influenced <clears throat> as well by Richard Hart's, um, you know, views and, 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 and other guys in the, in the crypto world, which I think it's fair. The, the crypto market has been doing a certain thing for 12 years and when it starts changing, then I will know for sure. <clears throat> and, I, and I will feel in my heart the joy of like, oh fuck, we finally made it. Like we, that's a stepping stone. But and, until I see that, I will just be slow and steady because like most of us, I was in 2017 flying and full of enthusiasm. And then I, we, we just experienced what a melting of 80, 90% on your portfolio can feel like. And, you know, if we're here for the long term, then I don't, I don't want to be a moon boy anymore. I'm chill. <laughs> I agree with you. I think that there will be those drawdowns and I think that losing 70% in the market is something that will, will continue to happen. I guess what I was referencing is that will it stay down? And I, I tend to think that it come, it'll, it'll bounce. It'll, it'll pump and dump. And that's what, it, that's what it will do is people take profit. So I think, I think you're right. We do need to prepare ourselves for those corrections. And I think that they'll look, we've had three in the last sort of what, nine months that have been fairly significant. Um, so yeah, you need to prepare for the 50, 60, 70% drawdown, but I tend to think that they do tend to bounce. Yeah. And no, I'm also with you that the winters are going to get shorter and shorter for sure. So I don't see like a one year or 18 month of winter. That, that, that seems kind of impossible for me. Yeah. But as soon as we reach certain levels, then we will see institutional money coming in because they know, they, they know it can only 
go up. You know, if we see a Bitcoin at 20 grand, how long is it going to stay at 20 grand for before we see a few billion dollars coming in? And we, um, you started to mention DeFi also as the main applications of crypto. And there's, uh, there's two projects I'm quite interested in personally in the DeFi space. One is the Luna ecosystem that's been, uh, it's been just retracing a bit lately, but absolutely skyrocketing with uh, the price of Luna and the amount of uh, UST invested in the ecosystem. So I think that's a really beautiful project and I'd love chance to uh, share a bit more about why you like that project. And another DeFi project that's been doing really well is Hex. And I know Fabrice, you're a big fan of uh, Richard Hart, who's doing also a new chain, Pulse Chain. So that's, and it's quite a controversial one also, so that can be interesting. So maybe we can start with Luna, but that's, that's two topics on DeFi I'd love to, to touch on. Yeah, sure. I can talk about Luna. Um, Luna's been like my girlfriend's name is Luna, so I, I obviously like that's something that you know brought me in in the first place. But obviously, the the tech and the the okay. So the one thing I really like about Luna is that they're not really afraid of other layer ones. They're very like their communities are very embracing. You know, they um, their incentives they pair up with other companies. They like talk on Twitter together. They're very inclusive, and I. Um, I really love that, and I see their their founders as being really bold and being um, a little bit careless in some ways, but they're they're like not afraid of doing big actions, which I really really like. Um, and if I, can, if I can interrupt you for for a second, so yeah. my vision of Luna being into it but not so deep is that they created an ecosystem with a decentralized algorithmic stablecoin called UST. And that has an importance because the centralized stablecoins are under threat of getting regulated. And it's not in the spirit of cryptos because they can free stake your money as they want, like banks do. So, so UST has, yeah. that, has that value. And with the threat of with centralized stablecoin, people like UST. And there is a protocol called Anchor Protocol that gives, I think it's 19.5% per year. So basically for, if you wanna have part of your portfolio in a US pegged decentralized stablecoin, you can also make close to 20% interest per year on that, right? So just to give the frame yeah. to me as the main interest of Luna, I'm sure there's more. And, um, and I'm interested also if you think that's sustainable, those uh, almost 20% a year. Yeah, so so it's kind of a brilliant strategy. So basically, there's UST, which you know, in the stablecoin narrative, where people are kind of being a little bit more wary of USDT and USDC, people are kind of just naturally piling into another stablecoin. They're wanting more decentralization. So how it works is that if you if you buy UST, it actually has a mechanism of burning Luna. So they're they're together. So the more UST that's bought, the more Luna is burned. And by them incentivizing a 20% uh, on a stable coin has brought like a lot of a lot of marketing to the UST. So 20% is extremely rare in most coins, but especially on a stable coin. So basically they, they've they've been burning loon like crazy because of all this movement of people wanting to get that 20% in UST. Um, more recently, there has been 
some some changes around the speculation that it's going to stay at 20%. Uh, they're 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 actually going to be renewing all that, so we can probably see a drop in the one or two percent in the coming months, actually. Um, so that could be a little bit bearish, um, but there's still not many stable coins that'll offer you anything close to 20%. So I think even if it goes down to 18 or 17%, they'll still have that. But on the other end, uh, another ecosystem I really like is Near, and they're really close at, at putting out this stablecoin, um, their own algorithmic stablecoin that'll be matching that 20%. So there could be some some a bit of fighting around getting the the their market cap up or down. Is it gonna be and, a very uh, can can you compare a bit the two? Well, it's very very new. So the 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 near one is very new. Uh, they are gonna have a completely different uh, concept. They're not gonna be burning near, but they're it's gonna be a more sustainable uh, way of staking near uh, when you buy their their stablecoin. But that's like a little bit new. So it's like a, the, there's only announcements in the last couple of weeks. Um, and also, so the fear with UST is that if everyone sells their UST, then Luna is going to be minted. So that means there's going to be more Luna, which then Luna price could skyrocket down. Basically, if people create an exodus out of UST, then Luna could crash. So that's why um, Do Kwan, one of the uh, one of the guys in, with Luna, have been they've been buying like a billion dollars. Uh, of Bitcoin to back the USD price. Um, so they're just like really clever in the way they, they're doing things. And they're really bold. They're like, okay, we're going to be buying Bitcoin almost every day to stabilize our coin. And I, I just really like that, that energy. And um, honestly, Luna is a coin that I would like to be more exposed in. That's something I, I kind of missed the boat on. And um, I have some, but I definitely wish I was, I was more heavy in Luna. Yeah. And I'm not trying to chase the price, so. Yeah. Um, can you do you think chance that uh, the twenty percent are to to acquire a bigger community so people people see this so it's a kind of a marketing technique for sometimes to to build the community get get people interested. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not sustainable. You know that money was fronted by by Terra Luna. Um, it's it's basically a marketing thing to bring people to the ecosystem to then. People love UST, and then they'll keep buying UST, which will burn more Luna. So it's basically they're they're pumping their their coin through a new stablecoin. Um, you know, some people call Luna a shitcoin because it's just like a Ponzi kind of thing. You buy more UST, it burns more Luna, and you know it, it does its thing. But uh, it's a genius um, thing, and it's proposed the price like crazy. And I, I don't see it stopping, honestly. Um, you never know. Cool. Thanks, Chance. That was super interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I, I quite like that ecosystem too. And that's exciting. So another ecosystem, uh, Richard Hart. So often a controversial project is done a very, uh, um, like a certificate of deposit on the blockchain called Hex that's been doing really well, even though it dropped, I think, close to 85% in the past six months. But doing really well and launching Pulse Chain, um, um, a fork of Ethereum, but looking more like what Ethereum 2.0 is going to be, but already that's what, how I understand it. So if 
Fabrice, I know you like Richard Hart and his ecosystem. Do you want to share a bit more about that? Sure, brother. So let's let's not start a war first and foremost. Um, it, it's <laughs> funny that Richard Hart is so polarizing and it's it's a, it's a bit taboo. Um, it's been taboo actually in crypto. It's coming out of the closet now. So I've seen him like big interviews with the guy from Bitcoin Magazine, with Alexander Lorenzo, which is a, a coach and a mentor of mine. I really like his YouTube channel. Uh, everybody wants to interview him. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Brian Rose get him on his on his own podcast soon. And the reason being, um, so Richard Hart is he's a genius in terms of IQ or for starts. He's just a genius, like, and his his way of thinking is superior to the average person, including myself by far, by far. So basically. He was mining Bitcoin at 50 cents on his own coin back in the days. He's got knowledge of codes and his, he, the way he, his brain works is a bit like Rayman. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but so he can remember pretty much everything that he, he come into contact with. And so in crypto, he's been in crypto since the very beginning. And he, he's seen how protocols, uh, Build upon each other, all these different layers, and and then Bitcoin for ten years. Initially, he was uh, totally pro Bitcoin, and then at some point, he realized, okay, um, this technology led us to this point, and now it's time for something better, faster, more efficient, more environmental friendly, like whatever all the marketing arguments you want to bring. So. Hex technically is a better Bitcoin. And that's a big statement because it's built very differently. Um, but Hex truly is programmable money. Um, and, and people who hold Hex will get a yield, will get a return on their investment to hold this. And that's basically what you were saying. It's called a contract for difference, which is what financial products do in the bank. You lock your money for seven years, they give you 20% profit for locking your money for seven years or whatever. We don't have this future with Bitcoin. If you keep your Bitcoin, you only get the appreciation of the price, which is already amazing. But Bitcoin was hot five years ago. The people who are discovering Bitcoin at 50 grand, it's gonna to be difficult for them to see a 10X or 100X. <clears throat> Again, I think Richard Hart is really cutting edge and in his mind, he's, he's upgraded. Uh, Hex is a superior Bitcoin for him and Pulse Chain is a superior Ethereum. And these are very big statements. Again, it's for each of us to do the research, um, but it's very clever. He's used Ethereum, which is by far the best, most performing uh, blockchain for smart contracts. And he took all the pros of that technology, everything that's been audited, everything that's been running for eight years of operations. And that was the base of Pulse Chain. And he added some tweaks, some improvements that the very guys from Ethereum cannot do because when they change the code, it kind of fuck up. It's like, it's just, um, code is very difficult basically. And when you try to change uh, your protocol, you cannot see the the trouble that it's going to cause. Basically, it's going to cause some unforeseen issues. 
So in that sense, I think Richard is a very um, smart businessman and uh, he's making a lot of noise and polarizing people and pissing people off. A lot of haters, but also a lot of fans. All the hexagons are raving fans because they've all experienced a hundred X, a thousand X on your money. And this is life changing. So if people are in crypto for the hype of it, just for, for be that guy at the table who, who is in the loop, who understand crypto, that's one thing. Some people are in crypto for the technology and they are passionate about the tech aspect of it. And then most people are actually in crypto for price performance. So, so based on specific metrics like security and price performance, whatever Richard is building, it's, it's winning, it's winning like most projects, if not all projects are there. Um, and I, I'm, I've made good money myself with Hex. Uh, I've called it two years ago. I think, uh, I know actually you, you participated in that ride as well, Alex, because uh, we were working together. You know, many friends in our community who took their chance, they, they experienced anywhere from 5,200X, more or less, depending what timing they, they got into that. And the fact that people still call it a scam is, is as ridiculous as it is misunderstood because um, when I was in Bitcoin, I, I was hearing people calling it a scam even a year or two ago, even today. Some people think Bitcoin is a scam, digital electronic money because they don't understand it. So it's easier to call something a scam instead of putting a hundred hours of research on the project. Um, so if you know Crypto Banter and all these bigger YouTube channels, um, that have a, a kind of a big reach on YouTube. The guy from Crypto Banter, he, he interviewed Richard Hart as well recently. Um, and, um, you know, when you look at what a scam is, you cannot call Hex a scam. You just can't. It's just a misconception. And so I think as well that what Rick's building is actually the first alternative crypto ecosystem that's all in one you know he's gonna to have his storage of value like bitcoin he's gonna to have his own blockchain like pulse chain he's on dex decentralized exchange which is pulse x now he's already calling in for some developers to work on a better metamask wallet to on-ramp money and also just to store money because we've seen recently some issues with metamask being censored or being uh, we don't want crypto to be to be censored. Basically, that's that's it's one of the pillar of crypto. We need to be censorship resistant. And so, what I see with with Richard Hart is such an innovator that it's causing a lot of people a lot of triggers because he's moving fast and 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 he's winning. And for sure, it's going to mirror a lot of things into people's um, reality. So. I'm a big fan, a lot of respect. I'm learning a lot from this man in, in, in crypto as well as finances and stuff. And I think when someone is, is able to display billions of dollars of wealth, it's, it's wise to just listen what they have to say. And we don't have to agree with uh, everything about the character and his personal value as a man, as an individual, but just, just the wisdom he has, I think around the technology and wealth creation is remarkable. Any any reactions on this? 
I can go if no one else wants to say anything. Um, so Alex, you mentioned at the start that I work with Republic Group here. So we're in one of Indonesia's biggest crypto education platforms. And so uh, we're all in Bahasa Indonesia. So you can see us at republicrepair.com or on YouTube, Republic Repair. <clears throat> and so we have a, like a research team that's quite extensive and um, they produce nearly, nearly 40 pieces of research content per week that go out. And there's um, different, we have different method, methods of researching uh, tokens and projects. And, and we, we tend to be agnostic. Like we don't tend to take opinion on anything we just give facts like we don't provide advice to people on trading or anything like that it's just about doing the digging because people tend to not have as much time to go you know 15 hours into a project to dig and then and so we did this exact same thing for hex um and i am very open-minded when it comes to to new projects um and so we we did the once over on hex the same that we do with every project and i think um what Fabrice said is that Richard Hart is a very intelligent man. He is an incredible mind and he's incredibly good at, um, at vocalizing his thought processes as well. He's very eloquent in the way that he speaks. Um, as far as his project goes, it's not something that I've personally invested in and it's not something that we produce content on, on our channel to our community for a couple of different reasons. Um, I tend to be really extremely cautious on products and projects that are based around one individual. And it's another, it's a really big reason why I'm not hugely a fan of Cardano um, personally, because I think that it's really, that's really Charles Hoskinson centric. And so people live and die by um, what he says. And I find that dialed up to the extreme with the hex community. And so when we were doing our research, we just went through and, you know, joined all of the servers and joined all the forums and started trying to chat to people on Twitter and just asking basic questions. It just brought out toxicity from the Hex community. How dare you question my, pro like that type of stuff. And so that's instant red flag for me. The fact that it needs this army of toxicity to try and, um, to try and defend it when really like the tech should defend it. Um, Richard himself is a known multi-billionaire and I, I listened to lots of podcasts of him when we were trying to do our research on it as well. And he kept on making reference to the fact that the, every time the price collapses, it just gets bought back up again by hex, like there's some hex like God whale. Um, I'm like highly suspicious that that's just him buying back up the price. And so I'll admit that I'm definitely not a, like an expert on hex. Like I'm not here to like fight anyone's project and like no doubt people make heaps of money off of these types of projects as well but i think there's a reason why like i'm we're building out a project of ourselves at the moment and the amount of um hoops that you need to get through to be able to get like verified in the in the crypto community by places like coin market cap by coin gecko by just by crypto media in general like people go over you with a fine tooth comb and there's a reason why like none of these platforms like are acknowledging him. So I don't know what they are, but there's a reason why like CoinGecko won't list him. So he says he's the third biggest market cap total, but, but you know, CoinGecko and CoinMarketCap disagree. And so I, I don't have the tools to be able to, to monitor that type of stuff. I, I, don't, I don't have the answers, um, but the fact that it's so controversial and that even when we just wanted to ask questions from the community we got nothing but hostility for me instant red flag and i walked away <laughs>
So I could be wrong. Like I'm happy to be wrong. Um, as far as the claims that it's like the newest and best tech, like, you know, Elrond is another project that's number 40 right now that's hugely verified and is already has the tech of ETH 2.0 as well. So saying that it's like ETH 2.0 already finished, that's not that impressive. Like there's heaps of projects that have already done that. Um, Polkadot has been built from scratch with ETH 2 in mind and has a different architecture, but essentially the same sort of thing. ETH's going for this L2 model, Polkadot's going for the parachain model. So like, Richard Hart is so entertaining and I also learn a lot from him. I think like listening to him, he obviously knows crypto back to front um, and he's a salesman. He knows how to talk. And I saw him destroy Alex Saunders from Nuggets News, who was like one of the big um, crypto people out from Australia. And so Richard Hart just ate him for breakfast when they had a debate. And so I definitely would not want to be on a call with Richard Hart. He just run, runs rings around people with the way that he speaks. Um, but as far as Hex and, um, and Pulse Chain goes, like from my end, just from doing our research, like extreme caution on my end. So I have not invested any money. Yeah, I appreciate those, uh, those remarks. Super like good about, I, I love the catching red flags like that. I also operate in that manner. Uh, I have warmed up to, uh, you know, Hex and Pulse Chain a bit more. Um, What's, what's exciting for me is because I'm also like a, a layer one guy. So I see that, I don't know if it's going to be better to like Avalanche or like Phantom or Luna. Like I don't, I don't see where he's got that much of a, an edge. I, I do like that the fact that he's, he's um, uh, his tokens will be deflationary. So there, there's certain things like that, that I really, uh, they're piquing my DeFi interest. Like how can I go into this ecosystem and maximize my gains because it's going to be the wild west. Like we, we haven't talked about the airdrops and like the, the, the zero to like start in the coin at zero and see what happens, you know? So I'm excited as a DeFi guy, just to be part of it and to see what's going to happen. Um, so I'm invested in Pulse X and I'm excited for it yet. I don't know how it's, what's going to happen. And I do, I would recommend maybe uh, newbies to just like, you know, not put everything in their own, all their basket in that, uh, because that's what kind of like the cult factor happens is like, you really like find one person and then you just put all your eggs in one basket and then maybe you become a millionaire or you, you're fully wrecked. Um, but I'm, I'm, it's like the first time this has kind of happened. So I'm super excited and I, I try to not really question this personality as much as I used to and things like that. Uh, but for me, as like a DeFi guy, I'm just super excited to see what's going to happen. If it's going to be a wreck or if it's going to be like a, an insane, uh, yeah, just like missile into the, into the air. So, yeah. And uh, just, just to echo on, on, on both of you guys, I really appreciate, you know, the level of um, like we're all gentlemen here. Nobody's attached to, to fight for death, to being right or wrong. We're all presenting uh, the data, how we... I perceive it and um, you know what I what I came to realize on my personal journey with crypto initially I thought it was all about decentralization and that's only because the world as we knew it before was so centralized that it became problematic the financial system the pharmaceuticals the data big data it was all centralized so people got so pissed with that that we all of a sudden we wanted everything to be decentralized and Again, I think there is a balance in all things. And uh, if you want to be in capitalism at any degree, 
centralization works extremely well for the task. If you look at the most successful businesses, the level of centralization is actually a, 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 a critical component to the success of the business model. And as far as the community project that I've seen over the years in crypto, it always starts with a huge hope and a movement of like, yeah, we're a big family, we, we're doing shit ourselves, like we don't need a government, like fuck, fuck uh, corporations kind of mentality. But then in the execution of the thing, more often than not, it, it, it slowly collapses or there is a lack of accountability, there is no timelines, uh, right? So the point I wanted to make is that the fact that it's heavily centralized, I mean, for sure, everything that is created comes from someone's mind. And so even Bitcoin, when Bitcoin came out, it was just this Satoshi dude, right? And it took a few years to, to get millions of people to adopt the product and see value in it. Um, so I'm not myself uh, worried about the fact that it is centralized because it is slowly with, with, with the network adoption. That's how you get true decentralization. Um, whereas if, if people just give something for free at the beginning, most of the time people sell their coins and they, and they exit the ecosystem and they just make a free buck overnight. And uh, yeah, so I think centralization has its, its time and place. And then um, it was something else that you mentioned, Chance, but I, I forgot now. And yeah, uh, Alex, maybe that's something I can ask you because I know this is a big part of your work and your inquiry right now. It's like you're really about community work and decentralized models. And um, and so, you know, the, where is your balance between centralization and decentralization, I suppose? Or do you see, do you see projects that are fully decentralized that really, really work very well? Well, the thing is centralization and decentralization to me, it's, it's not one or the other, it's a spectrum, right? And where, and there's a subjectivity to it. So even when you build a decentralized organization, to me, the idea is it's, it's around sales where people take on projects, but then when they lead that project, the, it, it's centralized. You don't want everyone to vote on everything all the time. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a dynamic where you, you take on something and then maybe it becomes in the hand of three or four people who lead that project and then release it to the community and the community make sure that's, that's aligned. And, um, and, and, but, it, but it's, not, it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, I know because with you, Fabrice, we've started online courses where it's centralized is our course and we're like, boom, 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 we do it and go. With the light leaders, I, my intention is to do something more decentralized and it's been quite slow. It's been quite slow and uh, yeah, it's, it's not easy. So I see that point. And for me, that's why I play on, on multiple fields where uh, decentralization is, is very beautiful and it's very subtle where people in the long run get included, feel included, feel it's, it's their project too. And I think it's... Um, in the long term, I think it's, it's great to really keep that in mind rather than charging forward with our own ideas, but it can be slow.
Yeah, I think uh, for decentralization as well, like just comparing it to Richard Hart is like for me, like for my values, I like transparency. And he's he's more like just up in the air is like, oh, I, I you know, I might own 70 percent. Oh, I might not. Or, you know, he, uh, if he creates a, a DAO for voting within like Pulse X or something like that, um, you know, it, it it can procure procure like you can see that there's um, a decentralization like, we, oh, I can vote, I can vote or whatever. But maybe he owns like seventy percent as well. So it's just like it's like it's almost like a, a mirage of decentralization potentially, uh, without really knowing if if he owns all of it, and he just makes the decisions. But I, I, this is just speculation here. But I, I would just like a bit more transparency in if he owns Pulse X or Pulse and Hex in some ways. And I know he doesn't want to discuss his finances. I I just prefer uh, a little bit more transparency for my own values. On the same chance, like we've um, just with what we've been trying to do on our project at the moment, we've had to go when we go to any sort of like listing platform or any sort of VC, you've got to be super transparent with who all of your token holders and who has um, what locks on their tokens and how much is in the in the circulating supply ecosystem. So I suspect that's the reason why like Hex won't get listed on any of the big um, like coin aggregator platforms is because perhaps there is that sort of mystique around who owns all the tokens and yeah and then for me i guess the the big one for me was it just seems like that there's one or two particular wallets that keep buying it up when the price crashes and richard has often referred to them as like the god whale or something like that but i'm pretty convinced it's just him from another wallet buying it back up i mean i don't know but that was that was that was the three things for me that thought uh like this is so interesting like i'll sit here with popcorn but it's so interesting but I'm not risking my money on it. <laughs> and, yeah. if I'm, and if I miss, if I miss the hundred X because of it, that's fine. Because it's like, it's risk adjusted return for me. Like there's a level of return that's worth a level of risk. And for me, it was just like, yeah, that, that, but that's just for me though. Like, and I say if anyone that wants to do it and like, makes money on it, all power to you. Like I'll cheer you from the sideline. But I, I hear you, Michael. Uh, let, I like, uh, I like, I'll I like let that. you answer Fabrice, but I just want to share from this discussion that, I mean, that's exactly the kind of discussion we want to have in these panels of experts. So I want to honor each of you for having a gentleman's discussion on this. And, and I think that's uh, like, we're here to make sense together. And that's exactly what, what's been wanted. So thank you so much guys. And, and yeah, Fabrice, I'll let you uh, answer on that. Well, glad, glad to hear that we are rocking your, your podcast or, or your, yeah. <laughs> Alex. Um, yeah, because in, in every everything, every argument that we can present, it's going to be the other equal side. So, for example, as you guys know, or you may or may not know, but when, once you start to have a lot of money, then your personal safety becomes a real issue. Taxation becomes a real issue and so forth. And so the more sovereign you become, the more privacy you require. And, uh, and so like it's it's never been a problem for me to participate in in a world economy without knowing where the money is coming from who is owning like what i i, I realized in 2008 that the federal reserve was just magically cutting trees and printing stamps on it and that all of us were bursting our ass off for money and that's just how the game works and i worked my whole life and so i had this realizations around wealth and money 
where where I realized that uh, you, you just have to basically choose something that's congruent with your highest values. Um, I'm at the stage in, in my life where I understand that without resources, without money, it's very difficult to actually have a, a real impact in our community. I've been a hippie before. I have a good heart. I have a lot of visions, but I've never been able to manifest that. And maybe that's because I'm trying to do it you know, by myself instead of doing crowd crowdfunding and all of that. Um, but at the same time, if I'm going to get involved with a project in community, I want to have skin in the game. And for this, I require, you know, resources. So regardless if Richard is pumping its own bags or not, what I understand is because he's already a well-established billionaire, nobody knows how many billions, right? It, can, it could be hundreds of billions. It could be thousands of billions of dollars. So now he can play the game he wants, but he's got a long-term vision. And so if it takes him three or four years to inject a few hundred millions a year to acquire network users, it's not different than the Avalanche $800 million incentive or the near 20% uh, reward. It, it's exactly the same, just a different style, basically. Uh, and for him, he's in the game for 10 years. He's not selling his bags. This is all on-chain data. He's very committed to what he's created because he's working his ass off on five different projects. And so I know that the guy is trying to build a thing that works on its own, you know? And, um, and I trust that the way he's making money is, is beyond what we understand. So for instance, he's raised twice about a billion dollar on Pulse and Pulse X without providing any white papers, just, just based on, on his magnetism. That's, that's no small feat. Some people struggle to raise $50 million. You raised a billion dollar twice, okay? So what's going on is, um, I think, I lost my point. Um, but just Fabrice also, I think people aren't arguing that because actually um, that's what Michael, you were saying. He's a very magnetic person and he's very charismatic. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I, to me, that's for sure um, like not something people question actually. And actually the sacrifice thing goes more into the narrative of the cultish part where it's like, oh, well, I love you. I trust you so much. You're so magnetic. I just send you money with no expectation. But just, I wanted, sure. I wanted to add something on this because Michael, you asked about that lack of transparency. I have one uh, idea also about the lack of transparency. I'm not sure about it, but we live in a world where there's like our powers aren't super fair. And there are some things around which we don't want to be transparent, whether it be for maybe for tax purposes, what we inject our body with, and, and maybe we don't want to be transparent. I wish I could be transparent on, on everything. And that's a discussion we've had for our co-creation. But when we, you live in a world where uh, governments and corporations are authoritarian and totalitarian, which they demonstrate to be, it's hard to be fully transparent. And so one, I, one thing I think might be the case, and I think it is for the sacrifice, which sounds cultish, but I think there's, there's legal reasons also and tax reasons. And maybe if, if there are some areas where he's not transparent, it could be that 
uh, it just works better for the legalities and, and the tax and that is sort about that. That's the theory I have. I can, un I can understand that. Like I can definitely understand that. And I think that if he requires that anonymity or he would prefer that privacy, like I respect that totally. And I think that all power to him. But I think if you're trying to start a project, like a global project, you kind of have to give up some of those anonymities. Like if you look at Vitalik with Ethereum, everyone knows Vitalik's wallet and everyone knows what percentage of holdings he has. If you look at Charles Hoskinson, I don't like Charles Hoskinson, but everyone knows he's got 2 billion ADA tokens. So like, I don't think, um, I don't think revealing his, like his holdings is necessarily like gonna, you know, it's probably the onus is on him to do it if he wants to have a, a like a, a multinational global project. But if he just wants to like, be rich and just not tell people about it, then I respect that. Do it. It's probably the best way to go. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe there's something with uh, the, I don't know, maybe the, the SEC is going to be after him more if they know, like, like because because he's a bit anti-government, like he's a little bit anti-government <laughs> and all that. So maybe that's one reason. I don't know. Yeah, and I can totally. understand that. I can definitely yeah, understand Totally. And, and the, the conversation, I mean, like Richard Hobbs is, 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 you know, we, we don't have to talk about the guy forever. I think what's transpiring from this conversation is the right to privacy and how people use this right. And, you know, um, the guy has been personally molested and robbed a few hundred million dollars once in his life in Central America. Maybe that's also part of why he's not so cool to, to say, you know, maybe Charles, Charles didn't have that experience. So the right to privacy is, is, is different for everyone. Um, I think for me to see people throwing money at someone is a representation of true decentralization because it's community trusting. And then if he wants to break the trust and run away in his castle, he may. And then, and then, yeah, that would just be that. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't, his style is kind of revolutionary. It's a bit like when Osho was doing his things, nobody understood what the guy was doing until 20 years later. And so here and then you have these very magnetic people who, who have a style that's very novel. And um, for me, when I see the facts of the product that he's launched, 100% uptime, no bugs, no hacks, no, like the technology that he's bringing to markets is on point. And I don't know any better. And I know for a fact that he's, he was one of the few crypto guy out there denouncing the infringement to rights of freedom of movement, right of speech uh, in 2020 and 2021. You know, the, the guy is going head to head with the establishment and he's building his own game. That's a big deal. Like not so many people are doing it. And in comparison with Cardano and all of that, um, when I looked into the research of these blockchains, unfortunately they're not working. They have in fact so many problems that it's alarming considering we've been spending five or six years injecting capital in this only to realize it's a dead end. Um, Solana has major issues as well. Um, well, I won't touch. You're, you're, won't touch you're speaking as if you're speaking as if Pulse has been released with no issues. Uh, all, all he's created right now is an ERC twenty token. Like he just like it's just like a 
a token he's released called Hex, and then his Pulse, Pulse X, and his emission coin hasn't been released yet. So, and there, and there's no one using it. So Solana, you know, there's millions of users and they have some issues, but we can't really compare them yet until there's a, a used product out there, if you can agree on that's that. A very, no, that's a good point, bro. You got, you got the point on that. What I wanted to say is that instead of Richard reinventing the wheel, his approach was just to leverage off the best that we currently have, which is Ethereum. And I respect that. I respect that he's leveraging off all the development and all the mistakes that we've learned through Ethereum and building from that platform instead of starting a project from scratch. And, and for sure, we will see how it performs when it launches and stuff. But I think from a technology point of view, this is more sound than just we don't even know how Polkadot is working yet as well you know nobody nobody knows like the well how scalable is it to just do a copy of you know a fork of ethereum right now when there's other l1s that are doing this yet you know like things like avax or like uh, Polkadot, they actually have potentially uh, a way forward around sustainability like let's say uh if if richard is just copying eth how what does this mean in two years when eth is is 2.0 and there's other chains that have done better that, that's I'm, I'm just worried about the sustainability of it i think it's complementary guys and he speaks on that himself but for, from what i see we can have 10 different blockchains if we want a mass adoption of crypto at the moment ethereum is slow as fuck it gets it gets saturated every time there is a bit of $2.5 trillion in the market. You can see $300 transactions, right? We've seen that. We've, we've paid these fees using MetaMask and Uniswap. So I think for the next two years, it's going to be four times faster for transaction finality. And who knows how many times cheaper to use that blockchain. Then when the blockchain is maxed out, of course, that would be cool to have another six or seven projects that are all... I like the metaphor, the analogy of the car industry. It's never going to be one brand who just dominate the whole world because each car serves a specific purpose. So if you want to race, you need your Ferrari. If you want to cross mountains and rivers, you need a four-wheel drive. If you have a family with five kids, you need like that SUV, brake, whatever. It's going to be the same with crypto. I don't think it's just XRP coming and winning the, the trophy. Like it's not like that. Um, so for the next for the next two years, technology is moving really fast, and I want to be at the cutting edge of technology. I don't want to just be a Bitcoin maximalist because that was the case five years ago, but it's changing. So now for the next few years, I'm on board with Richard and and his tech. And when it's maxed out, it will be the next thing and the next thing. And I'm okay to be fluid like that. Yeah. Okay, but Fabrice, just just on this. There's a difference between saying it's going to be different chains. We, I think no one is, is saying it's not the case and saying Pulse Chain is going to be one of them. Like, like, so I think chains... Pulse Chain is going to be top 10. Chance's point top is like, 10. why is Pulse Chain going to be one of them? Not like that because there's Ethereum, nothing else is going to work. Like Chance loves a lot of other chains. What's the question? Why, why is Pulse Chain valuable? Well, Chance was challenging what was the value added of Pearl Chain. And the way you answered was that there will be multiple chain. And I think we all agree, but why 
was the case for Perl specifically? Well, because it's beating ETH 2.0 to its own features. The testnet have been running for three months. It's working. The transactions are four times faster than Ethereum. There is a bigger block capacity. The transaction fees are to the pennies instead of hundreds of dollars for one single transaction. You know, man, if you want to play video game online and anytime you, you want to buy one NFT item or whatever, it costs you $100. Nobody can play this game. Kids are broke. Nobody wants to pay more than five cents to be able to, to use the technology. So Pulse Chain is going to, have to do this. And for how long? I don't know until it's maxed out. It's not a miracle. I'm not a, a Pulse Chain maximalist. I don't think this is the end, but I can see it's superior to what we have. That's all. Um, what was the other one? I think, um, I think the, yeah, the airdrop that's coming with this. I don't know how many of you participated in Uniswap airdrops and all of that, but it's always fun to receive something for free that end up being valuable in the future. That's the first time in history we can make free money just, just by being early into something. I'm pro, I'm pro all of that. As long as people can, can come out of misery and, and, and get a better quality of life, that's, that's, I think that's healthy for the community, you know? Did you have something to add, Michael, on that? Oh, I was just gonna say, um on the topic of like ETH and like ETH issues. And I, and I agree, obviously, that ETH has become unusable as an L1 for, for most people. But I think this, the story around Ethereum will change over the next month or two or three or year as people won't, know, won't operate on the ETH base layer anymore. Everything will be L2 on top of Ethereum. And so Arbitrum, Optimism, Polygon, um, Loopering, Starknet, They've all got these alternative like Ethereum ecosystem based projects. And so as all of the apps migrate over onto L2, no longer will an individual operate on L1. And I think what Polkadot has done is so clever, just that everything's a siloed blockchain that then connects into a, the relay chain. And then they can all be interoperable with each other. The Cosmos SDK is like a beautiful work of art when it was created because it's these siloed individual blockchains, but they're inherently able to talk to each other because they're built with the same tech stack. And then you've got things like I mentioned Elrond before, and Elrond is literally ETH 2.0 rebranded, already running. And so like this new and improved and greater tech like type thing, it already exists. Like it's already number four on coin market, uh, 40 on coin market cap. Like, and so the thing that I foresee as a problem for a lot of alt L1s is that Ethereum does already have the network effect. And so as Ethereum upgrades its technology, granted it's slower and granted it's going to take time, all of these other L1 chains have got to convince people to leave. And we can see the canary in the coal mine right now that there's already better tech available, but people haven't left. And so that's going to be a massive, and I'm not saying that that won't stay like that forever. Um, like obviously Ethereum is like a large part of my portfolio as Bitcoin is, and I'm, but I'm not a maximalist by any sense of the word at all. Like, I'm having heaps of fun on Moonbeam right now in the Polkadot ecosystem. I'm having heaps of fun on like Terra. Terra's become like my third biggest position right now. Um, so I think a multi-chain future is definitely the reality. But as far as like um, just new alt one 
alt L1 chains coming out, like it's they've got the, the task against them to try and convince users to leave existing infrastructure. Um, yeah, thank you, Michael. I, I want to echo on your sharing because it's, it's powerful. What you're saying is uh, that you can have the best product, the best technology like Elrond. I'm a fan of Elrond. I was an early investor. I made some profits and then I realized like, mm, not so many people are using it for now, you know. It's, so just because you have the best product, if you cannot get market adoption and users or, or network effect, it falls into the trash. And then it's not sexy anymore and people forget about it. And that's one of the reality of crypto. It's not good enough to just have the tech. You need to have the community. Richard is reaching 200,000 people, followers on, on, on Twitter, 120 on YouTube, whatever. He is bringing people in. He's like Daniele. Uh, he's like, like these guys who, I don't know why, they, 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 have, they have that charisma. Um, and what I like specifically about Pulse Chain is he made it Ethereum developers friendly. All the people who have worked on Ethereum in the last eight years, they can easily copy paste their stuff on that blockchain. That's not a small feat when we talk about people don't like to change habits. They don't want to learn all about a new platform, a new product. People are used to Ethereum. It works exactly the same on Pulse Chain. I think that's a pro for the product personally. That's all I wanted to, to plug in because it's, it's, it's actually inclusive. It's, it's synergic, synergetic, synergetic. It's not competitive. Um, and that's a good point. And I think if you agree, I think we've covered quite a lot. Uh, on the, especially on that Pulse Chain topic. And I wanna, I feel like this conversation could go for another two hours, but we've been going for more than an hour already. And also for the sake of the recording, not being too long and, and this, um, we, can, we can wrap it up, but that's been, that's been amazing. That's been a super good conversation, super insightful. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to doing more, so. You add something if you want, guys, before we close, but uh, thank you so much. I'm just very grateful for uh, meeting you today, Michael. And uh, I, like, I like what you're about. I'll definitely check on your, your YouTube channel and your token as well. And uh, Chance, I mean, super close brother. And same with Alex. So uh, yeah, love you guys, great chat. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree that we could go on, like, especially with Paul Chain, we could go on for a couple hours, but it feels like we got the brunt of it. Uh, yeah, really nice to meet you, Michael, and I look forward to seeing what you're up to. Um, yeah, it was great to see you. Uh, Alex, thanks for bringing us together. It was, good. it was fun. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's um, I always love having, like, these uh, high-level chats, especially when you have... Um, a lot of people who still don't quite understand crypto, it's cool when you can move past the first introductory learning curve stages and have like the, the high level discussion. Um, yeah, just throw it out there as well. Like I think the Bali crypto community is pretty amazing. Um, we have a, an office which we've just opened in Karapakan. So um, our facilities are available anytime to the community if we want to hold meetups or functions or anything like that. We've got, um, we've got quite a good space here. So um, if we can be of any sort of resource to the community, especially here in Bali, um, we're, you know, we're an open door policy. So let us know how we can help.
Thank you so much, Michael. And I think it'd be lovely to have you in an, as an expert in a, one of the meetings too. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be in touch. <laughs> okay, thanks guys. I'll stop the recording.